0: begin recording welcome to Bon Jovi discussions for the last year and a half we've been doing uh album discussions going deep into track by track and all that and but before that you know we were just talking I was talking to other fans and just having good chats and uh we're back to doing that now so today I have my buddy David who is passionate about this band just like me and everyone watching uh David from North Carolina how you doing buddy?
1: and i'm doing great how are you jerry
0: good thank you for coming on today appreciate it having me i know we've talked it before and i know we've talked quite a lengthy amount of you know just music in general so um but yeah so how did you become a fan we'll start off with that
1: well uh i grew up in a very musical household um everybody in my house played at least one instrument everybody sang in church and chorus and choir but I did not grow up in a rock and roll household. Um, I grew up with the classical composers and and music. And so I was kind of late to the game, but when I heard living on a prayer, um, of course it was living on a prayer, uh, then I immediately fell in love with that. But then I went in search of the other their other music and started to um, get all of the albums that I could and just really dug into everything that they had. And uh, well, obviously fell in love with the band and the music. And it's uh, it's been a love affair for uh, more than 20 years now.
0: Was there a song after Living On Prayer that kind of pulled you in more, that, that really gravitated you into becoming a bigger fan? Or was it just prayer?
1: No, no, prayer was, was the beginning point. Um, as as you know, I do gravitate a lot more towards ballads, um, and the more emotional stuff. Uh, so, thank you for loving me, always. That uh, are are much more. Uh, I'm much more prone to like that kind of stuff over the rocker. Yeah. And so, uh, and Bon Jovi, of course, can can a fantastic ballad. So yeah. I would say when I started hearing stuff like "Always" and "Thank You for Loving Me." and those types of songs is when i really started to have a deeper appreciation for the music
0: yeah i'm with you You know, i, I think you know and we'll you know we have three tops that we're gonna, topics that we're going topics that we're going to talk about and this kind of segues into it but yeah you know i really enjoy music that's very sentimental and very deep and meaningful you know as opposed to what's out on today's radio but uh let's get into that first uh so through this episode we're going to talk about why bon jovi why they're our favorite band we're going to talk about elvis in vegas which was uh, something that john wrote for meatloaf who's one of my other favorite artists and then if we have enough time we're going to get into the power station sessions so first one is why bon jovi and i'll let you lead off with it first you know, uh what does mean the world to you You're
1: just like me and i have had that question for years now, what is it about this band that you love so much? I mean, sure, they've got catchy music. So do 100 other bands out there. What is it is about them? And it's it's really a tough question because, you know, music is subjective. So that means that it, uh, what we like is derived from each individual's uh, personal taste, personal preferences, and personal experiences. And so it's it's hard to define what it is that makes you like something in, in one way, unless it's simply you like the way it sounds. Um, <laughs> like for me, Def Leppard, nothing wrong with them. I love them, but they're not some, a band that I really connect to deeply. Yeah. Uh, but that's obviously not the case with Bon Jovi. To me, uh, I guess the simplest answer is they've got the hooks. I mean, they've got the big courses and uh, the big anthems and he he can write a fantastic melody that just draws you, but uh, without the good lyrics to that you can relate to, then there's not, you know, it's just it's Def Leppard, you know, yeah, and yeah. no Leppard at all. Uh, this is personal taste, and so the the lyrics that John, Richie, David, all the people that write for Bon Jovi and have written. Uh, right, uh, or they speak to me on, on a whole nother level really and he writes lyrics that are uh, they're so relatable that it, it's even something scars on this guitar
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't play the guitar so I can't actually relate to his sentiment towards his guitar but I can take that song and relate it to something in my life yes. that, and that is is the mark of a good song I think and that john is fantastic at doing that and so it's it's really the relation of amazing relatable lyrics and and just phenomenal melodies and huge i'm all about about the melodic part of music and you know he has that in spades
0: yeah you you said everything perfectly you know and back to reiterate what you said about his song becoming yours that's the absolute truth and he said it many times in interviews that when he writes a song he's he has a reason why he's writing it but when he puts it out into the world we relate to it differently perfect example is always okay so when john you know the story but for people that just in case don't most people watching this do but just in case always was written for a movie called romeo was bleeding in 94. And the movie was about, and the song was about this guy who was madly in love with this woman. He was a stalker and stalked her and and so on. And John didn't like the song to the movie. So he put it on the shelves and blah, blah, blah. Long story short, they pulled it back out, put it on Crossroads. Their biggest number one hit. So my whole point of this is when he was writing that, he was writing it for a movie and for the story of a stalker. You know but now people who aren't like hardcore fans like us when they hear always they think oh my gosh that's the most romantic ballad ever and that's how they relate that song you know but in reality it's actually about this guy who's obsessed with the with this um woman so but uh yeah yeah how long have you been a fan oh goodness uh, uh 22 years same thing with me so you know I'll, I'll tell my story a little bit you know to answer part of this question um, I discovered Bon Jovi when I was eight years old and it was June 2000 and it was a couple weeks before uh, crush came out and before that I was into uh, and this is the time you know I was into backstreet boys and you know all that stuff that kids listen to and I remember waiting for the The Backstreet Boys to come on um, their music video to come on and Bon Jovi's It's My Life music video came on and I was like this is cool and then I think just as a kid it was kind of cool to see this guy just do whatever he possibly could to get to this Bon Jovi concert And, and then you see the band and the band looks cool the song is so catchy and so every day I looked forward to that song more and more and uh, i found out that they were releasing crush and that song was going to be on it and i begged my dad for that album just for that song and uh, thankfully he they got me the uh crush album and i fell in love with it from beginning to end and in every song or every album after that but you know for me why bon jovi i think it's only something that you and i and other hardcore fans can understand if i go tell Joe Schmell on the street, you're gonna think he's just nuts about a band. You know, you know. Sometimes like my friends make fun of me. For for example, my one friend, he's like a big uh, Cleveland Browns fan, huge. Okay, and in his basement, he's got like memorabilia to no end of Cleveland Browns. And so when he gives me a hard time about being a Bon Jovi fan that I am, I go, what's the difference? What's the difference with bon jovi being such a huge part of my life and the browns being a part of your life there's no difference one's a team one's a a band you know but but fans like you and me we get it because the music touches us in a huge way you know they become there's i don't think there's a day that goes by i don't listen to them to be honest with you you know and i think you know growing up as a kid you know becoming a teenager you know obviously when you're a teenager you start to get into girls um your relationships and stuff and you start facing harder times perfect example is these days when i was a kid eight years old these days was the only album i couldn't get into because there was nothing fun about it except for something for the pain But you know, as a kid, you like the fun songs like It's My Life and Prayer and all those, you know. You don't really care for the ballads because you can't relate to them. But as you get older, you know, when I was a teenager, you know, you don't know where to go to at going through your first breakup, you know, you don't want to talk about it to your parents or your friends, you know, And, and thankfully, you know, Bon Jovi's music helped me through difficult times such as breakups. Um my dad's death you know and also through good times you know when i was happy and joyous and accomplished something you know i'd, I'd throw on a good hit or you know fun song and uh but you know back to these days you know, i i grew into these days because of the the breakups and you know all the other heavy subject matter that an adult faces um so that you know that's pretty much my edge i think it's just that how heavily the music impacts you and you know another thing is too is that this fandom you know you me and you know thousands millions of others we connect so well because of a band you know you're in north carolina i'm in pennsylvania heck i know people in australia that i talk to often you know really good friendships because of this band you know so you know and you know and like your comparison with uh def leppard and bon jovi you know there, you know i obviously love other bands you know and i still have like four other I have like five top band. obviously Bon Jovi is number one but there's other bands I really connect to but there's a lot that I can't connect to that artist you know with Bon Jovi there's always they have tons of songs there's only four Bon Jovi songs I don't like you know I think there's just a deeper connection with a certain band than there is with other artists you know what I'm saying right, right. And, and,
1: I'm sorry
0: no, that's it.
1: I'm done. It's like you said, it's it's not something that you can really explain to somebody that's not like-minded yeah. because they don't get it. Because like I said, it's subjective. And but I do think that that music is so powerful that it does reach you on a different level, you know, it reaches you on, on a a spiritual level, maybe. And um you can't explain that to anybody. So mm-hmm. there's there's no satisfying answer. Or somebody that's asking us that doesn't get this, yeah. other than it's great music
0: yeah. you know yeah. as crazy as it sounds when i or if I see them live or sometimes if I'm just in a really good mood or even sometimes when I'm like emotional and just need some sappy music, it sounds crazy to say, but it's true. I get like this it like overtakes my body and I feel. Overcome by it, you know, like you can feel it in your veins, and you know, you know, perfect example is, you know, seeing them live, you know, you just something takes over you, and you're just crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, you just, you know, like like right now, I'm in a great, perfect mood. I go put on something to believe in. Next thing I know, I'm depressed for the rest of the day. You know, I just music has that way of being an outlet. I think, you know, I think music is the perfect it's therapeutic and it's a it's a great way to let go of what you're feeling, you know, and and knowing that you're not I think I think the biggest thing is knowing you're not alone, you know, you know, because I can relate to a lot of John's music, especially when it's like the sadder stuff, you know, I can relate to it, you know, I feel like, hey, I'm not alone. Someone else is feeling this way too. you know,
1: and it's it's the power of music uh, that somebody that has never met you, somebody that might be a world away, can write a song. Sometimes years, even before you were alive, and it can speak so directly to to going through in your life right now. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you can play a, you can play the same song for ten different people. You're gonna get ten different reactions on what that song is about. Possibly, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so and that's that's beautiful thing about music yeah as that power that you can listen to song and you can make it your own and apply it to your life in whatever you're going through and that is the in my opinion the mark of a great song mm-hmm. it's ability you know there's songs you can listen to and it's like it's very pointed it, it's about this and that's that's it uh but there's other ones and this is something that john is great about is to write that song that is you know, like I said, it's relatable to the every man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and these songs too, you know, they, they become so monumental in your life. You know, for example, my wife and I, we got married last summer and we 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 had three songs. The our procession recession song for the actual ceremony was Thank You for Loving Me. First Dance was Shine, Kate Cotton was You Wanna Make a Memory, and Last Dance was I'll Drive You Home. You know so to think you know in, in john's point of view he's writing songs that are you know three five minute, five minutes long yet those five minutes are so monumental to somebody to someone you know so every time i hear those songs i think about my wedding and and you know how much i love my wife and blah 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 you know so th- those songs have a huge impact in our lives and they're monumental you know
1: they are. And in the good and the bad, um, you, oh, mentioned, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned these days, and that is that is one of my favorite Bon Jovi records. And it is my favorite lyrically for Bon Jovi. Um, again, because it is very heavy, and that's what I relate to. And whole song, the whole album starts with Hey God. And when you're an adult and you've lived life, I don't think anybody could not relate to the questions he's posing there of oh yeah hey where are you god do you do you even think about me down here you know
0: yeah, yeah um, you, I, you're not, not again the religious aspect but you know as a kid you know you're innocent and you don't have you don't have all these worries in your face but as you become an adult like you said all these questions you do think about it because where are you you know hey god where do you ever think about me you know so
1: here I've got what's going on
0: and mm-hmm.
1: covers that a lot in that album you know uh was yeah. it like it starts off with uh, your daddy's coming down to pay the bills because we can't and you mm-hmm. know want to get and it's, yeah. it's that most everybody gets at some point in their life you know and it's so lyrically uh, these days is at the top for me
0: It's got to be, you know, and it's funny, you know, John has always said that these days is probably one of the most optimistic records that he's ever written. Now, at first listen, you think that it's probably one of the darkest he's ever written. But once you kind of delve into the flow of it and certain songs like, for example, Something to Believe in, you know, that's bottom of the barrel depression and you're you're out of hope and you're out of it anything and you're still looking for something to believe in so that there is optimism in that song it's just you got to really delve into that song to really understand where the optimism is you know you're trying to find something to believe in you know
1: i think it is it is the darkest record by theme Mm -hmm. but like you said lyrically if you listen to songs all the way through there is there is hope there there is
0: optimism I think it's one of those albums where we're both, you know, Misery Loves Company kind of thing, you know, where we both are down on our luck and we're still trying to find that hope and that we're in this together and there's a light at the end of the tunnel. I think that's what it it really is, you know, knowing yeah. that you're not alone facing what everyone else is. Like, Hey God is a perfect example. Like I said, those lines from Lie to Me as well. And a lot of people are going through that, you know, societal problems. And so I think that's where the hope is, is you know, we're not alone and we're going to get through it. So let's go to the next segment. Uh, the next uh, one is Elvis in Vegas. Now, for anyone that knows me, uh, Meatloaf is one of my, I would say he's probably my second or third favorite artist. And uh, obviously, he, uh, unfortunately, he passed away. Um, a month ago, and breaks my heart. Um, but thankfully, um, I got to virtually meet him last year. And did you ever see that video? I, I think did. We, Yeah. So I'm 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 so thankful that I got to virtually meet him. I was actually supposed to meet him here in April, but uh, that's another story. Um, but one of the questions I wanted to ask him as a bon jovi fan for anybody wondering where you can see, find this on my youtube um but when i first started talking to uh, meatloaf he knows the bon jovi in the background and then i was i was gonna ask him anyway but he brought it up and he brought up elvis in vegas so elvis in vegas let me pull it and it was written by john i don't think richie co-wrote on that i think it was desmo child correct i want to double check though But so so a little backstory to. um, I can find it here. Yeah. So um, bear with me here. Oh yeah. So John uh, Desmond Child and Billy Falcon. So John originally wrote this for him, and uh, he didn't think uh, he could make it sound good, and he thought it was the perfect song for Meatloaf. And Meatloaf was creating an album called uh, "Hang Cool Teddy Bear," and uh, he gave he told Meat that he thought he was the perfect one to sing it, and uh, gave it to Meatloaf. And for anyone that has never heard it, go listen to it because you can definitely tell. You know what's funny? When I was younger and before I knew that John wrote that, I uh, I've been a big Meatloaf fan for probably 15 years. And I didn't know, like, my knowledge of Meat Love wasn't, you know, I didn't know who wrote what songs, blah, 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 I just listened to them. And I always said, this sounds like a song that John would write. And then, so the day that I was looking through the, the CD booklet and I saw it written by John Bon Jovi, I'm like, you know, that's how well I know John's songwriting. And uh, I'll give you a second to talk. What, what do you think of the song? I mean, I love it. Um,
1: it is. you know he wrote it with uh, desmond child and you know they've been working together forever uh shoot 91 i think they co-wrote uh sometimes it's a b for stevie nick's time space album and i think since what uh trying to remember which album billy falcon started on but he he's been co-writing on every album since
0: yeah post 2000 that's for sure i i just I'm trying to remember i think have a nice day was his kind of start point he wrote songs with john before they didn't make any albums
1: yeah there's some on, i was thinking there was some on
0: crush um yeah you're right yeah you're right yeah crush because i think there were some that he wrote co-wrote on destination anywhere too but i don't think any of those made the album i think but yeah definitely crush um but yeah back to elvis in vegas you know as a huge meatloaf fan and obviously a diehard bon jovi fan big difference but it made made me really happy to have a song that was written by my absolute favorite to my other favorite top five favorites you know
1: such a great song. Uh,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm pulling up the lyrics now. Uh, I can't so. recite them like I can, Jovi, but.
1: I'll tell but, you why you're doing that. You know, there's a line where he says, uh, now the lines on my face are looking more like cracks. And to me, that really sounded like a John lyric um, <laughs> brought to mind uh, later when uh, this house is not for sale came out. God bless this mess. When he said, my voice is shot, I'm going gray. The muscles all ache. Yeah. The feeling there of embracing the aging. And I remember uh, even back when I heard the Hang Cool album, that I was like, that that right there sounds like John.
0: Yeah. You know, the chorus too, you know, I was just 15 and the world was mine, and I watched my dreams come to life on that night. That Definitely nice. that's John. But, you know, I, I want to give credit to Meatloaf here because he really made that song like his own. You know, oh, yeah. poured his heart into this song. And, uh, you know, in that video, you know, he really talks about his experience with John and giving him that song. And um, I'm just looking through the lyrics now. I should have seen it coming. Oh, I should have seen the signs. I saw seven horses running. I had a front row seat at the end of time. You know, but I, I, I'd also, I, I don't think there's actually a demo to Elvis and Vegas that John, I think, they simply just wrote it but never recorded a demo or anything like that so but if there is i'd love to hear because i think i can kind of hear john singing it you know hear it
1: um to hear his take on it i don't think he could improve on Meatloaf's version because Mm -hmm. i think right that is a it's a meatloaf song it's not a jim steinman style meatloaf song but it's definitely and you you mentioned that beginning lines of the course. You know, I was just fifteen, and the world was mine. And that's those are my favorite lyrics in the song because it it kind of captures the feeling of of the innocence you have as a child when you experience something that is that is so magical and remarkable and profound in your life at that time. And I love that. I, I love that lyric.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh it's a great song, and um, you know i'm just glad that there's a song like that that came that was written by my absolute favorite artist to one of my other favorites you know so let's go to the let's go to our last topic we um we're not going to do an overview of it obviously like a whole track by track like we've done but we'll talk about this bad boy right here so to get a little bit of background before we get into it this is the power station session years um so it's it's an unofficial release but these are tracks so for anyone that doesn't know, John worked at the Power Station for a few years before he made it big. The uh, Power Station was a record co- or, rec- or a studio in New York City, and John worked as a janitor, and then he'd get studio time to record. And so that's where all these songs come from, or from his demos with his band before uh, Bon Jovi formed. So there's different covers, too. You know, there's one that's like a bluish with him and there. there's this one and yep there you go but yep and uh, it, it's and it's also produced by his cousin tony bon jovi who got him the uh, job and studio time but so what's your overtake of the album
1: uh well you know the the three covers are actually three different versions
0: mm-hmm. yeah there's different songs on them bonus songs
1: and then the twenty version uh, yeah. track. Um, it is, you know, there's. I was surprised there's not any bad songs on it. Yeah. But there are no masterpieces. Nobody's going to listen to this and think, "Wow, that's that's brilliant right there."
0: Let me say this. I I think what's so great about this album is that they're songs that are different styles you can definitely tell john was trying to experiment different ways of lyrics different ways of singing different styles of music i think this album kind of proves to everyone that he was trying trying to still find his sound and what he was looking for in a band and blah 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 like you said there's no bad songs but there's no wow songs either the one song that i There's a a couple that I really, really like from this album. Um, Maybe Tomorrow. I think John's vocals on that is phenomenal. And then Who Said It Would Last Forever. I I truly think, I think they should have put Who Said It Would Last Forever on the debut album. It may not have been as big as Runaway, but I think it could have been bigger than She Don't Know Me.
1: There's actually on the album that i mean who said it would last forever is yeah.
0: one and, and, and side note too for anyone that doesn't know about this album sorry to interrupt john's band is not or bon Jovi is not on this album david does some keyboards on most of the songs but other than that there is no richie no tico no alec there was just john's you know some of his side bands at the time mm-hmm. so I, I wanted to point that out so go on buddy yeah and
1: that was david rashbaum before he changed his name to brian
0: <laughs> <laughs> Rash- uh,
1: anyways who said it would last forever i think would have fit but then there was um more than we bargained for i think is a That's very a good one
0: fair. i i like that into the boom, boom am i thinking of the right one yeah yeah i, I like that
1: and uh one that i think with, I mean, all these would have to have some tweaking done to them before they'd have made the album. Talking In Your Sleep, I think, probably has the most debut to 7,800 Fahrenheit sound to it.
0: Oh, you're right, yeah.
1: yeah the songs. And I really think that could have made that record, and, and it wouldn't have been a hit, but yeah, very nicely. More so with the debut, but it would have fit in with 7,800 Fahrenheit also.
0: Yeah, I liked... um I'm just looking to try to open your heart was really good, too.
1: And that one, you mentioned there's some different styles. That's got the saxophone in it.
0: Does it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah.
1: And he's got some organs some of the songs. Um, I mean, don't leave me tonight and for you. Those are very different in style for anything Bon Jovi related.
0: yeah. I'm just looking through some of this stuff in here this is a knob i don't listen to often you know once in a while i'll, I'll go and listen to it just to kind of compare to what became of john and and uh but yeah it, it's i remember this coming out i think in 97 i think the the blue copy came out and then the other other covers came out later on but i think there was a dis- i think john didn't want these released and they still went ahead and released them because they belonged to the studio and this someone connected to the studio you know, i don't know the full story but released it without john's permission and went out
1: yeah so. and the thing it's well number one 99.9 percent of anybody that's looking for this album is hardcore fans yeah. rare one person that has to have every single album out there but uh by a band but nobody is just going to go pick this up. If you, I mean, I don't even know if you can find them much anymore. That's not outrageous pricing. But I,
0: it, it's weird how it's outrageous. Like one of my friends on, on Twitter, I remember posting about this album a while ago, and one of my friends was like, "I can't find this anywhere." So I started to look on Amazon and eBay. And I was like, "I was like seeing them for like a hundred bucks." You know, when all when all three of those came out, I think I got for like $10, 15 bucks. Expensive. Yeah, I, literally-
1: um, well, you know the it's just plain. There's no CD booklet. You just got the one little sleeve. Yeah. But what I was saying, you're not going to listen to this and and go, "Wow, this is amazing." <laughs> yeah. Um. It is a a young John Bon Jovi trying to find his way in the music world like you said he's trying to find his footing what works for him you can even tell some of the vocals you know these was recorded uh 1980 to 1983
0: yeah and you can definitely tell some of the earlier ones versus coming to 83 you can definitely tell how his vocals kind of changed within those three years
1: um i mean you got something like string in a line and that has a, you know, he has a a little more mature sounding voice at that point. So you think that's going to be more towards the '83, uh, more than we bargained for. I feel like is probably one of the earlier ones based on his vocals. Which one? More than we bargained for. Uh,
0: yeah, I, the one I think was probably the earliest was uh, "Hollywood Dreams" and "Don't You Believe Him." I think those were his. Don't leave me tonight. I think that was one of the earlier ones too. Um, who said he? Who said it would last forever? I think that was like '83 because you can definitely tell. You know, only hardcore fans are going to be able to depict his voice here, like us crazy people. But who said it would last forever? I think that that had to be right on the verge of him creating Bon Jovi. Yeah, you know, hey,
1: you know, like I said you don't listen to it and and you're not blown away by by what you're hearing but there are moments there some of the songs we named uh who said it would last forever more than we bargained for you know some of those where you can you can hear you can pick up on on the brilliance that is about to come just a few short years later for him or not even a few short years and some yeah. and I that's that is what i like about these albums or this album um it's it's not great music but as a hardcore fan it is awesome to go back and hear you know where he started
0: yeah you you, you I, and i think that's what you appreciate the most is just comparing to what was to what is now you know and i always envy and i'm sure you can too because you became a fan 2000 i always envy the fans who have been there since day one since the debut came out you know now fans like you and me don't be mistaken we've been on the ride since Crush. and you know i was just telling my wife the other night i said what a ride it's been for the last 22 years i mean like the 2013 tour just still feels like yesterday Mm -hmm. And, and so you know we've been on that ride for 22 years but the fans who have been there since 84 and have seen the band go through their entire career to what they are now you know i mean that must be amazing you know
1: yeah i've got a a, one of my best friends here um he got to see them back in the day with skid row and danger danger
0: danger that was only a short period of time too that danger danger opened up for them i think it was only on one leg and i think it was out of like 10 shows yeah yeah
1: both both bands I love. Uh, so yeah. the three of them together would have been just phenomenal.
0: The ones that I would have loved to have seen would be Bon Jovi opening for Kiss. And then seeing Bon Jovi headline with Rat and Cinderella as the openers.
1: I would have loved to have seen them with Cinderella. Uh, yeah. With, with opening for the Scorpions.
0: Oh, yeah. So they never really got big into the Scorpions. But who else? They, they opened up for Kiss, Scorpions. There's one other one that they opened up for. Who was it? ZZ Top. Yeah. And then 85 was Kiss. And then 86, early 86 before Slippery. Who was it that they were opening up for? Rat, I think. And then it kind of flopped. And <laughs> Bon Jovi was bigger than Rat.
1: Now they've overtaken everybody but Kiss.
0: Yeah, yeah. and it's it's funny. Be, well, Bon Jovi's even bigger than Kiss. You know, I think I think Kiss is more of like a name brand. Oh, know, they do. Yeah, you know, like like ac Guns and Roses, and Kiss. Nothing wrong with those bands. Obviously, I'm a big Kiss fan, but they're more of a name brand rock. You know, where you see their merchandise everywhere. As to Bon Jovi, you don't. But it's funny because you still see a lot of those '80s bands still dress up in leather and big hair, and and they're still wearing that. out there like in their 60s and 70s, and they look foolish, you know. And, and thankfully, Bon Jovi doesn't do that. I posted a picture on Twitter yesterday. I don't know if you saw it, but it was um, it was a photo from '86, and someone was like. I wish they still dressed like that and looked like that with the big hair. I'm like, do you know how goofy they would look right now if they still looked like they they would not be playing arenas. That's for sure. No way. Um, so I thought that I thought that was kind of funny, but yeah, it, it's it's amazing how it kind of bon jovi surpassed all the other 80s rock bands and stuff and they're still they're probably they are probably still the biggest 80s rock band that's still around
1: and i think that that circles back to why we like Bon jovi so much and that is substance
0: mm-hmm.
1: i love Kid, yeah. I, I love rap def leopard all those but you look at the lyrics and how much real substance was there to their lyrics it was party bands
0: yeah it's all about sex and, dr- and i i never got into drugs and so like motley i like motley crew they're a good band but it's hard to listen to some of their stuff because it's all about drugs i'm not I never was never will be into drugs like dr feel good i can't i mean yeah it's fun to bop along to but it's, it's never late it's, it's about a drug dealer
1: to me i mean and they're fantastic at what they do and i love them yeah but it's like i was saying about def leppard it is not something i connect to on any level yeah. of woo. you know yeah.
0: but and here's the thing too before we conclude 80s era is my favorite era of all time i love the 80s now for bon jovi this kind of circles back to why bon jovi any other band if i'm listening to def leppard Motley Crue, Poison, Kiss, any of those '80s bands. I'm listening to what they were. I don't listen. I r- will rarely listen to their new stuff because it's 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 not good, you know. And you know, for example, like this uh this Stadium Tour, which I'm I, I'm excited for the Stadium Tour, the Motley Crue, Poison, blah 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 tour. I'm looking forward to, it, but I wanted to see the hits. I wanna, right. that's all I want. that's all I care about. Now, Bon Jovi, you and me, we're hoping for the whole set list to be deep tracks and-
1: Nobody else knows. Yeah,
0: know. yeah <laughs> exactly, so.
1: Where he, he would pull those out. You can go, you know, look on YouTube and every now and then they would pull out you know, Diamond Ring or something and play it live. Mm-hmm. And, voice for a live show, I think, but yeah. it, you know, he's played, um, shoot my favorite song he's ever done Santa Fe you know they've done oh, that a-
0: yep I'll always say 2010-2011 the Circle Tour that tour had the best set list whether it was an opening song or the rarities that he'd throw in the set list the encores every night was always a phenomenal set list you know I mean fuck we 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 got Garage Land in yeah. 2010 11. You know, radio saved my life tonight as an opener. My know, Santa Fe. What's that?
1: The radio saved my life tonight is my favorite song.
0: Yeah, it's just, and, and uh, you know, I, I won't get into it, but you know, last tour was the same set list every night, you know, but we won't get into that. But um, yeah, anyway, but I appreciate you coming on and uh, you know, stay on on the recording, although, but I want to thank you for coming on today, and I'll have to have you on again sometime because I know we can talk for hours like, we, like we've had.
1: Appreciate you having me, man. I enjoyed it.
0: Good. All right. Thanks, buddy.
1: You're welcome.